Let's all join our hearts together as we begin to praise our God and our Savior with all that we have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing here among us. And we ask that your presence be here, be here in this place. May we worship you with all that we have. May we focus our mind's attention and our heart's affection on you and humbly glorify you because of your greatness and your word. May Jesus be magnified here today. In the name of Jesus we pray.
Amen. Greet one another this morning. Amen. As you make your way back to your seat, please remain standing as we continue to worship Him. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. The Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this time that we've come together. We lean completely upon you. It's what you have done. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. The love that you have for us. The love you've expressed for us. We can't even begin to describe it. But may we sing out with songs of praise because of what you have done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
God, may you receive all the praise here today. You are our mighty fortress. You are our refuge. In you, we find hope. In you, we find peace. May Jesus be magnified here in this place today. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we began a series called Mandates, in which we're talking about the commandments of Jesus in a very personal way as they relate to us. It's part of the Great Commission that God has called us to teach one another to obey everything that He has commanded us. I want to quickly review, and we won't do this every week because I know repetition can somehow become mundane, but it's important for us to be reminded of why Jesus has called us to obey all that He has commanded. First of all, the why. Because everything he says is to our benefit. Isn't that nice to know that we have a Savior and Lord who has spoken these commands not to make it more burdensome for us, but to give us things that will uplift us and the lives of those people around us. He gave us these commands for the redemption of humanity. That's why he came, to buy back what sin had taken away. And through these commandments, we can experience life as God has intended for us. It's for everyone's benefit when we obey his commandments. That's the why. He said it because it benefits us. How do we do that? Well, we need to become knowledgeable of what those commandments are. First of all, we can't obey what we do not know. And once we become knowledgeable, then we put it into practice by following the process that Jesus has given us. And that process is simply to deny ourselves and follow after him. Jesus has really made it pretty easy for us to track because he's given us two categories of loving God and loving others, and then everything that he has commanded falls under those two things. And this morning, we're going to be talking about what's going to sound very repetitious in comparison to last week. But today, we'll be talking about becoming a servant. Last week, we talked about denying yourself and following Jesus, and today we're going to be talking about being a servant, and we used this passage of Scripture as an example last week. But one of the commandments, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the commandments that Jesus has given you is to be a servant. Remember in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, we're called to deny ourselves, to follow him. Part of denying yourself is becoming a servant. Matthew chapter 20, this was the example that we used last week in which Jesus is dealing with his disciples. They have a debate about who is the greatest in the kingdom that Jesus is about to establish. They knew that there was an inner circle. There were the three, Peter, James, and John. And so it's kind of like, are they going to be the top three? Is that going to change? Is it going to shift? Are they really going to get the gold, silver, and bronze? Or is someone else going to get it? And then Jesus said, wait a second, you guys have it all backwards. You have the pyramid inverted you are here to serve, not to be served. When James and John had brought this topic up about who was the greatest, Jesus called them all together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But it's not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. 
Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus declares that there is a way to greatness. Sometimes we feel like we're on the losing team. Christians can never be of any great significance. And Jesus says, no, no, no. There is a pathway to greatness. It's just not the same pathway as the world gives you. The way to greatness, and everyone desires it. We all want our lives to matter. But the way to greatness is we descend to greatness. We don't climb toward it. We all hear about climbing the ladder of success. Being great, climbing up, stepping over other people. And Jesus says, no, you descend into greatness by serving others. We live in a pretty bizarre time, don't we, right now? We've been through this pandemic. It's not quite over. All these different things that have happened, supply chain issues that we've talked about. One of the reasons that we have issues in supply chain is what is called the great resignation. You've read about it. You've heard about it. Maybe you've even participated in it. Millions and millions of people every month are leaving their jobs. And Reddit has been, tra has been, has been uh, tracking with this for years. Started a long time ago, but they started a movement called the Anti-Work Forum. And the objective is, as they say, that people should strive to work as little as possible and preferably for themselves. That's the times in which we live. We shouldn't work much, and when we do, we should be working for ourselves. And Jesus flips all that over, and he says, no, no, no. You are to be serving one another. It's not about getting less and less responsibility into your life, but it's about figuring out how you will serve one another. To become a servant, I think it's important for us to see the difference between servanthood or being a servant and service. Service is a good thing. We all like good service. We want to provide good service. Service is important. But the difference about service is you get to pick where and when it happens and what type of service you will offer. You think about opportunities that we have around here. You can come at this time for this many hours and do this particular thing. And you can pick or choose whether or not you will do it. But a servant doesn't get to pick and choose. When Jesus said, I'm calling you to be a servant, he wasn't saying I'm calling you to service I'm calling you to be a servant because a servant doesn't pick and choose where or what or when. They're always on call. A servant doesn't do the easy stuff. If it was easy, there wouldn't be a servant required. A servant does what no one else wants to do. Some of you are familiar with the Navy SEALs and you've heard their mantra, the only easy day was yesterday the only easy day was yesterday that's the way life is for a servant the only easy day is the, e the day behind me that I've already served and servanthood requires an astute observation to be looking to see what are the needs that need to be addressed and then a willingness to sacrificially meet those needs so Jesus calls us not to serve us to be, but to be a servant. And to be a servant, we must have astute observation and a willingness to sacrificially meet those needs. This morning, I'd like for us to look at the key to servanthood. How do we get there? 
Because it doesn't sound very inviting right now, right? It wasn't very inviting when Jesus said, I want you to become a servant. Why? They were just then talking about who's going to serve them. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom so that I will have servants. And Jesus said, that's the way it works in this world. You try to, you try to get as many servants as you can serving you. But in my kingdom, I'm trying to get servants to serve other people. So how do we do that? The key to servanthood, I think we're going to find a couple of passages of scripture that will help us in this journey, because we are on a journey in this series to look at what Jesus has commanded and figure out how we can be obedient to that. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse, uh, we're going to begin in verse 34. The key verse there is Matthew 25, 40. But listen to the statement. It said, then the king will say to those, and Jesus is talking about the delineation between those who are truly his followers and those who simply believe. I had a very interesting conversation with a gentleman this last week, and I, of course, of the conversation, I, I, I said, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? You know what his response was? He said, yes, I am, but I refer to myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's really a better description, isn't it? Because many can believe but only those who, those who obey Jesus are truly his followers. They're doing what he has called us to do. And so Jesus is saying in this particular passage of Scripture about the division between those who say that they are believers and those who truly follow. And he said, those on the right, those who are truly my followers, I will say to them, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God's at work even now and long before we existed to prepare what he wants to give us at the very end. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer the Lord. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger in need of clothes or sick or in prison? And Jesus replies, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What's the key to servanthood? It is recognizing that we are serving Jesus not one another. We serve one another as a demonstration of our service to Jesus, but to recognize that everything that we do as a servant is for the Lord. There's an interesting statement in there about being in prison. I want to give you an opportunity to be a servant. Uh, Vivian, as you know, has been at work with uh, inmates trying to make an eternal difference in the lives of those who are incarcerated. And there is an opportunity now from one of the inmates that she has built a relationship over the years, Harold Manning. And he is looking for someone with business acumen to be a vice president of a nonprofit organization to give direction and guidance to make a difference in the lives of youth. Now, this isn't someone to, to come and put labels on envelopes, though that, that's very important. This is someone that understands business and understands logistics, and systems, and organization, and strategy, 
and how you can make a difference in trying to funnel a message of Christ into the lives of juveniles who are headed in the wrong direction. And unless something changes in their life, they will spend most of their life behind bars. And so maybe in our congregation right now, there is someone that says, I could give some time to that. I could give my expertise. Maybe you have an MBA. Maybe you have a business background. Maybe you're great at organization, at administration. You could volunteer to be a part of this. It's a voluntary job right now. Maybe one day there'll be some pay, but right now it's an opportunity to visit Jesus in prison. And then we go to Colossians. And by the way, just see Vivian right here. Vivian, would you just stand up so everyone can see? And Vivian has done a great job of inviting her friend Lily. Lily, you are like four Sundays in a row coming. And you told me just a minute ago that you'll be here every Sunday, right? So I'm going to look for you next Sunday. Vivian will give you all the information. And we go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. This is one of the most fascinating statements in Scripture. Because as I read it, I want you to hear something that our culture does not hear. It just doesn't, it's countercultural. It doesn't make sense to us. But we're going to see in this passage of Scripture that Jesus, through the Apostle Paul's pen, recognizes that your circumstances don't have to change for you to be a servant of the Lord. Sometimes, even in our own lives, we feel like situations need to improve. Things need to get better. We need to have certain tools or abilities or, or certain things in our life, technology. We need to have the equipment to be able to do things. And notice how Paul speaks to a group of people that we would say, wait a second, we need to call for social change. Something needs to happen. These people need to be liberated. And that's not a statement to say that, that we should be supportive of what he's about to say about slavery. That didn't sound right. That's not to say that we should say slavery is right. We should do what we can within our power, but but Paul is not saying here, we need for you to sign a petition. We need a GoFundMe. We need a social movement to eradicate slavery. He says, here's how you live victoriously in the midst of your slavery. This is not an affirmation of slavery. It's just Paul saying, there are some things in life that are not going to change. You might have a disability. You might have an issue. You might have a relational conflict. You might have something that is not going to change. And we say, well, until that changes, I can't live victoriously. And Paul says, no, no, no. I think this passage of Scripture is so helpful for us because this, he is speaking to some of the people that are in the lowest stratosphere of the socioeconomic level. And he says, even you, you can live victorious. And listen to what he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when they're looking at you to get their favor, but do it with sincerity of heart. See, servanthood is born out of the heart. It is a heart to serve that has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's where servanthood comes from, from Christ, not from a willingness within us. It's not willpower, but it's transformational power through Christ. With sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Who, again, is he speaking to? People whose lives are far from ideal. Do it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. 
What a victory to say, I am above this circumstance in my life. You don't have ownership over me. You call me a slave. You say I'm a slave, but you don't owe me. I belong to the Heavenly Father. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What is the key to servanthood? It is coming to the understanding that when we serve others, we are serving the Lord. It's the exact picture of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. You see someone in prison and you minister to them as if you were ministering to Christ. You see someone in need and you minister to them as if you are meeting the need of Christ himself. Jesus gave a great example of this in a parable that is so very well known. It's called the Good Samaritan. We know the story well, which an expert in the law came to Jesus and wanted to know, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus ironically said, keep the, keep the commandments. Important for us to hear. And then it was, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing that. Then he says, you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the guy wanted to justify himself and said, well, well who's my neighbor? I just want to make sure that I'm checking all the boxes, which is always a sign of legalism. And Jesus replied, and he talked about a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was on his way, he was attacked and stripped and robbed of all he possessed, and he was left to die. And along the way came a priest who looked at the man and recognized that he didn't have the wherewithal to meet that man's needs, and he kept going. And then a Levite similar religious leader came along and did the exact same thing. And then Jesus blew everyone's mind as he's speaking to this crowd of Jews, and he said, and then came a Samaritan. And they're thinking, oh, wow, this is about to get good. They despise Samaritans. I bet this guy is probably going to take him out. He's probably going to kill him. He's going to throw him over the cliff, over the side of the road. Let's wait and see what this Samaritan's going to do, because it can't be good. And Jesus forever made a statement that we still use today, he made him the good Samaritan in which that man took him, put him on his donkey, dressed his wounds, took him to the nearest facility, a place where he could rest and heal, and provided money for him. Two days wages he left him to begin with. And then he said, I'll be back through town and when I come back, if he runs up a tab, put it on me. I'll take care of it. And the Samaritan went to do his own business elsewhere. I think that story reminds us of something that's very important about servanthood. First of all, is a servant is always on call. He wasn't expecting to, to see that man beaten by the side of the road and robbed and needing help. He was on his way to entertain some kind of business, maybe personal, maybe it was business, I don't know. But he was always on call but so that when he saw the need, he stepped in and addressed it. A servant is always on call. But friends, hear this. A servant is not always working. Some people burn themselves out by trying to meet the needs of every single person they see. And we need to hear, as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus didn't call us to meet every single person's need. Jesus himself would walk from town to town and he would leave people that had not yet been healed, that had not yet heard. 
There's an interesting book written in 1997 called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And Richard Carlson gave 100 different principles for living a, quote, balanced life. Principle number 89 I thought was so telling. It says, if someone throws you the ball, you don't have to catch it. It's not a statement for being irresponsible. Just saying that every person's emergency doesn't have to be your emergency. And that's why, as we see in experiencing God, you must be walking in tune with the Spirit to see which need do I need to address and which need is God calling someone else to address. I've seen this happen time and time again in a church. There's a need to be addressed, and the same people jump at it all the time. And you know what the rest of the people do? They say, you go for it. But when they don't jump to meet the need, it is amazing how someone else will rise up and meet the need. And sometimes when we're jumping to meet everybody's needs, we are robbing someone else of the opportunity to serve. A servant is always on call, but not always working. God is at work in your life. And he is giving you the desire to obey him, to be a servant. And he's giving you the power to do that. Let me give you some homework. And before I do, I want to tell you a story. Actually, let me give you the homework, and then I'll tell you the story. What's your homework for being a servant this week? Where do I want you to serve this week? Let's just guess. I want you to guess. Where do I want you to serve this week? Just guess. Wherever you're at, another guess. Wherever God wants you, more specific, your neighbor, where else? Your family. That's your homework this week. Sometimes we get more interested in serving outside of our home than we do in the home. And your homework this week is to be a servant in your home. Uh, our daughter went on an overnight conference this last week. And uh, our son-in-law was in charge of three girls who feel like their greatest need in life is to get everything out. I mean, I mean, everything. I mean, just everything. And then on top of that, pull the rest out. And he sent Michelle a text with a picture of their kitchen after he had been in charge. And we were about to laugh, and then we saw that the kitchen was completely clean. And I thought, that's a picture of a servant, of serving right there at home. And so your homework this week is to make your home the place that you serve, your family. Would you do that? And the only way that we will ever do that is when we are walking in right relationship with Christ. Some of you in this room listening online have never committed your life to Christ. Some of you in this room and listening online have never shared this with someone else who doesn't know Christ. And it is the most important piece of information in all of human history that God loves us and he's created us to have a relationship with him. 
And it's only through this relationship with Christ that we can become servants. And we will never do that on our own because our sinfulness squelches any desire for servanthood in our heart. We can't be right with God. We can't be right with others except through Jesus Christ. But thankfully, Jesus Christ makes us right with God and he changes us for all of eternity. All we have to do is repent of our sins and humbly surrender our life to Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to join in a prayer that I will lead in just a moment. And again, as Christians, one of the greatest things that we can do in servanthood is sharing the gospel with other people, those who have never heard. The simple message that we close out each service with is share that with others. So let's pray together and and love you all. Thanks for listening and let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of eternal life, eternal and abundant life. Sometimes we confuse that and just like, oh, wow, that just sounds like forever and ever and ever. But God, you want to give us forever and ever and ever of abundance, life as you have intended, life more fulfilling than we can ever imagine. But it starts with a relationship with you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, if anyone in this room or listening online or those who will listen in the weeks to come, they've never given their life to Christ, may this be the moment that they recognize this is their greatest need. Voice of prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. I recognize there is nothing I can do to save myself. So I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. And I really do promise I will follow, follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, it's interesting through this series that we are reminded of some of the things that you have commanded us to do and to be. And a servant is both. It's being a servant and it's doing the things of a servant. Help us to do that. And right now, as we focus on our homework for this week, help us to be faithful servants that serve you through the ministry that we provide for those in our own home, our own family. Lord, I pray for those within our church fellowship that are struggling right now with adversity. Could be physical, could be emotional, could be spiritual. Pray, Lord, that you would meet them at their greatest point of need. Thank you that you provide us your presence, your power, and your peace to live victoriously over every circumstance that could come our way. Help us to lean into you completely and allow you to do through us what you desire. Thank you for this wonderful congregation, each and every person. Some that don't feel as though they are truly where they need to be. I pray, God, that you would lift them up, draw them close to yourself, and help them to feel your favor and blessing upon them. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.
This is called a time of commitment. It's an opportunity for each one of us to respond to the experience of worship. Whatever you've experienced in this last hour, maybe what you experienced through Bible study this morning, maybe something that God is doing in your life throughout the week, previous weeks, maybe something you need to make public to be baptized, to receive Christ, maybe to join the church, maybe to repent and, and to be recommitted in a meaningful relationship with Christ, maybe a cry for spiritual awakening in your own personal life, maybe a confession to say, Lord, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not sharing you as I need to. However, God seems to be leading out several opportunities. You can meet me at the cross. I'd love to pray with you there. I'm going to ask our deacons to go stand back in the common areas behind the pews. You can go back there, and, and one of uh, the, the deacon couples will be glad to pray with you. And after the service, you can meet somebody out at the connection desk, and they would love to, to speak with you. Or you can write it on a communication card. This is the most important part of the worship service. This is the most important part of the worship service. Because if we leave the same people that came in, we have not truly worshiped. Worship changes us. So how are we allowing God to change us as we prepare to leave? So let's stand together and let's respond as, as God would lead.